I'm just going to take a quick moment and I'm just going to start to uh, introduce some of the people that are on our panel. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this. Our panel tonight is going to be on prayer and fasting. Probably pretty important things to go over in an apostolic church, amen? Would you agree? I would agree. I think it's a pretty awesome thing to go over. So um, we've got some amazing people on our panel tonight. Um, seated directly to my right, uh, we have our amazing, spectacular, super awesome, above average in every way, Pastor. He is sitting on our panel. He's, he's going to be uh, giving us the voice of our pastor tonight. And then next to him is, my Lord, the greatest first lady that's ever walked in shoe leather. Amen. I told somebody this morning, she woke, wakes up in the morning and she sweats excellence and exudes elegance. I think it's. A, I think she does anyway. I, 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 Sister B, I don't know why the rest of them don't feel that way, but I feel that way. Hallelujah! And I'm super excited about this one. So excited about this one. We have a voice from our youth tonight, Sister Faith Norman. So and then, oh my! I, I don't know which one I'm more excited about. If it's more, if it's Faith or if it's Sister Glenna over here, Sister Glenna. And then there's that guy down there that you all know. Yes. <laughs> Point youth, do you love your youth, Pastor? Yes. I think they like you. Somewhat, somewhat. Oh, man. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and get started tonight. And thank you so much for being here tonight. It's, it's, uh, it means a lot to all of us um, that you are uh, wanting to learn, that you're willing to learn. It means, uh, it means we're doing something right. So um, especially as a ministerial team, we are very excited that you guys want to be a part of panels like these. So uh, everybody give yourself a pat on the back or a hand, whatever you want to do. Just give yourself something right there. That, yeah, there it is. <laughs> he gave himself a hand down there. Did you see that? That was beautiful, wasn't it? Um, so tonight, prayer and fasting. Uh, why is that important? I'm glad that you asked. Um, prayer and fasting is probably the most important thing that we can do as believers. Amen? Amen? It, is, it is the most important thing that we can do as believers. And it's not just in the church, but this has been something that has been ongoing for years. Um, in, in American history, in 1623, William Bradford, the governor of the Plymouth Colony, proclaimed a fast and prayer to entreat God to save the vital corn crops. In 1636, a law was passed allowing the governor and his assistants to command a solemn days of humiliation by prayer and fasting and also for thanksgiving as occasion shall be offered. In 1774, George Washington proclaimed a national fast to avert a possible crisis with Great Britain. In 1798, President John Adams proclaimed a day of solemn humiliation, fasting and prayer to avoid a war crisis with France. This goes on and on and on throughout our history. I think prayer and fasting is important. Amen? Amen. So tonight, we are going to uh, go through some questions that... I feel are going to do a, an unbelievable job, an amazing job of explaining why we are doing what we are doing as a church. We're getting ready to go into a season of prayer and fasting, amen? Um, and it's going to prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for where we're getting ready to go. So um, without any further ado, um, I'm going to jump right in and um, I'm actually going to start with Pastor. There's some microphones right there if you want to grab one for Pastor. Check one, check one. Mic test. Well, we're good. 
We're good. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Pastor, you have our first question. You're going to get us started off tonight. Um, your question is kind of a deep question, kind of a deep subject to get started on. So, how does prayer contribute to spiritual growth during periods of fasting? All right, I won't go so deep in my answer. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'll start with saying this, and this uh, will probably be said again tonight, maybe. Um, but first, um, fasting without prayer is nothing more than a glorified diet. Um, it does nothing good for you spiritually. So um, we need prayer. But here's what I want to do. I want to talk quickly, and I hope I won't dance on anybody else's stuff, but um, I, I instantly went to the combination of prayer and fasting. Two separate things combined make something powerful. So I want to quickly go through fasting, prayer, then I'll show you the two combined. Um, fasting, why do we do it? Uh, fasting removes our tendency to rely on the natural world and forces us to live from the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. Um, as a result, God's voice becomes clearer when you fast. Fasting is a great way to gain clarity for important decisions. I, I want to say this real quick is that fasting is not just something that when I call us on a fast as a church, um, but this is something that should be practiced in everyone's lives, um, at, at least weekly. Fast something. Um, decisions that you're making in life, there's nothing better to do than get God involved in those decisions. And uh, fasting brings him in. Prayer brings him into those things. All right. Um, <clears throat> fasting humbles us and changes us. One of the most effective ways to humble yourself is through fasting. Uh, there is something about having food that causes us as humans to get carried away, especially here in America. And I say this because we've had multiple international students that have come or just missionary friends that have come. And, and, and that's one of the things that they point out is the difference between um, food here and other places. Um, it is something that we... If there's an addiction to anything, there's something in America I said that there's an addiction to. And that's probably why sometimes we mention fasting and some people are thinking, oh, dear Lord, what are we going to do? Uh, it's because your flesh is struggling with that instantly because there is an addiction to it that we have here uh, in the States. Uh, it is interesting that you can trace the problem of saying no to food clear back to the garden with Adam and Eve. If they would have simply said no in the beginning, <laughs> we wouldn't have a lot of the issues we have. It all began with food as we read in uh, Genesis 3. So the intentional absence from the pleasure of one or more meals has a very powerful way of humbling us in, returning, uh, in return causing us to get into a repentance posture. In Psalms 35 and 13, David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. So why do we fast? We fast. We fast to seek and submit to God's will. And uh, our, we fast so our spiritual need for God is far more important than our physical need for food and water. You say, well, we can't live without that. Well, guess what? <laughs> how, how are we going to live eternally without him? Ooh. Right? So I would, rather, I would rather go without here on earth knowing where I'm going with him. Yeah. 
right? So we need it. In fasting, what we are saying is that more than we enjoy food, we enjoy God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, so let's look at prayer. Our goal in prayer is not ultimately to get things from God. That's not why we pray. But our goal in prayer is to ultimately to know, love, and enjoy God and who he is in our life. William James said this, the greatest use of a life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. Your prayers will outlive you. How do I know that? Because I know there's been a lot of people that have prayed. There are people in this church that have prayed to see their family members sit in a pew with them and those elders are gone and they don't even know now that they've got grandkids that are sitting on these church chairs every Sunday. Their prayers outlived them. There's something powerful about prayer. A legacy is not what you do for yourself, it's what you do for the benefit of the next generation. One of the greatest things you can ever do is to teach the next generation to pray. Joel 1 and 3 states, tell ye your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. So I heard it asked once, why do we have to pray? And the answer came, if Jesus had to pray, what about us? We're not above it, right? Jesus prayed and impacted those around him. The disciples prayed, and likewise, they influenced others to be partakers. So did the early Christians. So this is the example of a legacy of prayer. Jesus is the greatest role model of prayer. He prayed day and night. Luke 6, 12 says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus had an all-night prayer meeting. So the 24-hour thing we're getting ready to do, an all-night prayer meeting, that's all right. Jesus did it. We're just following the model of our our God. So we see Jesus said also, men ought to always pray and not to faint, Luke 18 and 1. So prayer is the place where the spirit of humanity contacts the spirit of a divine God. So we have to have that. Prayer is is our lifeline to God. Prayer is the best wireless connection you'll ever have. There are no dead zones with God in prayer. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter where you're at. You'll always have a connection. Prayer involves our communication with God and a relationship with him. But we must understand that, understand that prayer is a choice. Prayer is a choice. So uh, Stephen Covey said this. He said, I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. Prayer is a decision that everyone in this room has to make for themselves. Yeah, yeah. You have to. I can't make it for you. If you want to have a relationship with him, you you have to make that time. And I said it earlier, the statement was made, why do we have to pray? That's one thing. I would remove, remove that word out of there. Why do we have to? No, we get to talk to him. Yeah. We get to talk to God. Wow. Understand there was a time when, when people didn't get to talk to him. That there, there was a time that they couldn't go into his presence. There, that Holy of Holies was, was closed off. It was just the, the high priest could go in. But we understand what took place on Calvary 
and the veil was, was ripped from top to bottom that he, he, his presence is opened up to us. So when you hit your knees in prayer, you're driving in your car in prayer, wherever it is, you're praying that you are stepping into a place where he is at. That is an absolute privilege that we have. That's why prayer is so important. So I'll say it this way. Prayer should be our steering wheel and not our spare tire. Woo! All right? Not we just, oh no, life just, life just fell apart. Something just went flat. So I better slow down a moment and I actually go t- find time for prayer today. No, but let it be the thing that actually steers your life every day. All right. Uh, The power of consistent prayer will take you on a road to success, leading you to places in your spiritual life that you have never been before. And that's my goal um, as your pastor is that this year, I want us to start the year off right, prayer and fasting. And I I want to set this precedence for all of us is that when this week ends, and I don't get up next week when Bishop's here, and I don't call us into another prayer and fasting week, I want you to make that decision on your own that say this will be a personal prayer and fasting week. And then the next week is going to be a personal prayer and fasting week. And then the next week, and by the end of this year, everyone has a personal walk with God because of prayer and fasting that they have made a decision to do themselves. That's where I want us to get. I want you to go stronger in God, and it starts with that right there. All right, so let's look at prayer and fasting. I talked about fasting talked about prayer. Let's put the two together. So when I thought of this, great combinations, I thought, man, good combinations. There's nothing like a hot apple pie. Sister Chapman, I'll tell you, if you've never had her apple pie, you you just need to have some apple pie. There is nothing like popping that in the microwave, heating it up. It's so good. But you know what could be a little better? Oh, hallelujah. Holy Ghost is moving across this place right now. Altars are open. I was supposed to be talking about fasting, sorry. (laughs) Testing you. Good help meet right there. Doesn't start till tomorrow, right? All right. Uh, But that combination is better. All right, so how about this? A door on your house is nice to have, right? Yeah. Anybody like to have a door on your house? Could you imagine if your house did not have a door? right? But you have a door. But could you imagine having a door that is locked but not having a key to access everything that's in the house? Mm. That's the difference here. To have the door to access everything that is good, everything that is pleasant, everything that is comfortable to you, your bed, your warmth, everything that's inside that, that is, is set aside for you, if you do not have the access to it, then what good is the door if you don't have the key? So I say this, that prayer is the key and fasting unlocks the door. Amen. So when uh, we can quickly establish through scripture that there is something powerful when prayer and fasting is combined. Jesus even said it. He said there are some things that are not going to take place without prayer and fasting. So we understand that fasting humbles the flesh. So if you didn't, if you didn't, I'll close with this. If we didn't fast and bring humility to our flesh, but God answered every big prayer that we had. If you went around and you started laying hands on people and people started getting miracles left and right. And there was no fasting involved and your flesh was not in submission to God. 
and God answered all those big prayers, who do you think is going to get the credit for those miracles? Fasting and prayer combined is important. Where fasting is lacking, pride is exalted. I'll say it again. Where fasting is lacking, pride is exalted. So there might be some prayers that are not answered because it's not combined with prayer and fasting because God knows you couldn't handle it if he did. Wow. That's so good. So prayer and pride will never get results, but prayer and fasting brings power, not through you, not through me, but through God. That's why it's important that we bring prayer into fasting is to get the results that only God can give. Next time that we do this, I want Sister Chapman to bring some apple pie. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> so good. So good. Amazing stuff, Pastor. Um, we're going to move on to our next question unless anybody on the panel has anything that they want to add to what Pastor just said. No? Okay. Brother Brooks has got the next question. Hot potato, hot potato. Brother Brooks, um, tell us a little bit about the role intention plays in the effectiveness of prayer and fasting. The role intention plays in prayer, uh, in the effectiveness of prayer and fasting. Um, uh, as I do that, I do want to preface um, with this understanding. Um, there's prayer, um, and then there's seemingly prayer and fasting. And where we get that from is that the Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing. So we should always be in a state of prayer. We should always be heavenly minded. So, you know, we kind of spoke about it last Wednesday in church. You know, you, you speak to someone and they say, well, praying without ceasing, praying without stopping sounds exhausting. Right. That sounds like too much. You know, I'm not that spiritual. Um, but when you're praying without ceasing, it's not saying that you're kneeling down 24 hours, seven days a week and you're just praying nonstop. But you're constantly in fellowship with God. Much like in the book of Genesis, Adam was able to talk and walk with God in the cool of the day. He was always connected to the presence of God so that when he needed direction, he did not have to get into the presence of God. He was already there. Um, but we also read in the New Testament, Jesus sent out his disciples um, to do uh, some exploits of their own um, directed by the spirit of God. And there were some things that they were not able to accomplish. And so uh, Jesus um, began to... Uh, serve somebody um, that the disciples at that time failed at doing. And I can imagine maybe their embarrassment. I can imagine maybe how they felt, you know, were my prayers not good enough? Or, you know, did I not do what you asked me to do? And Jesus told them that some things are not possible. Pastor spoke about this. There are some things that are not possible without prayer and fasting. And so I want to highlight that from that focus, um, if that's okay. And so that base scripture that I want to use to kind of... Um, to, to bring a, a picture and an understanding to this is Ezra 8 and 21. It says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves. Pastor mentioned that word as, as well, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us, our little ones and our and all our possessions. I'm going to say, that, say this scripture again. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us, 
our little ones in all of our possessions. God, what do I do with what I have? God, I need direction. Lord, I need understanding. And if we would humble ourselves, we would understand that, God, I don't have everything that I want to live life successfully. I don't have enough to get to heaven by myself. When I wake up in the morning, I don't even know what's going to happen two hours down the line. But there are some things that I face in life. When I'm dealing with a certain hardship, when I'm dealing with a certain, you know, spiritual uh, warfare that, that's taking place in my life, there are some things that, that I have to be more intentional about. And my intention is going to bring forth the effectiveness of whatever I'm praying and fasting about. Amen. So the first thing that I want to highlight is, number one, we must humble ourselves before God. We must understand, and it's not to say that you value yourself less. That's not what, humi that's not what humility means. Um, we're a big deal in the eyes of God, amen? Um, but we think less of ourselves. We think less of what we're capable of. We think less of this flesh, and we humble ourselves before God because in, in front of a righteous God, there's no amount of good that we can do. It's just filthy rags to God. In front of a righteous God, I'm not smart. In front of a righteous God, I'm not the age that I think that I am. I have not experienced enough wisdom in the eyes of God. And so I must first humble myself because it's when I humble myself in thought, it's when I humble myself in intellect, it's when I humble myself in experience that I can, that I can receive the pure direction from God because I'm not thinking about what I would do, but I'm receiving direction from the Lord of what he would want me to do of how to navigate whatever that intentional prayer I'm praying for. Amen. The second thing is it brings forth direction and understanding when you humble yourself before God. The humbling is connected to the fasting and the seeking is connected to the prayer. The humbling is connected to the fasting. I am denying myself. I'm denying myself of food. I'm denying myself of maybe entertainment. I'm desiring myself of something that the flesh wants to do so that I'm less me-focused and me-pleasured and more God-focused. Amen? Amen? And the seeking is connected to prayer. When you seek, the Bible lets us know that God is standing at the door and he's knocking. And if you don't get up and answer the door, then he can't come in and meet your need. You have to be intentional. You have to get off, off the couch in the physical, and you have to open up the door so that he can walk in. And so it works the same way when it comes to prayer and fasting. We have to humble ourselves, and we have to seek the face of God. Amen. If we seek, amen, we will find the direction from the Lord. Um, th there's a couple of other things that I want to highlight. Um, again, we talked about how some things are not um, possible without prayer and fasting, but I want to bring forth this understanding. When someone is being intentional, it is because they have an aim or a plan. So back to the question, um, what role does intentional intentionality have as far as effectiveness in prayer and fasting? When someone is being intentional, it's because they have an aim or a plan. There's a purpose. I don't know if you've ever spoken to someone and they have no desire to be in your presence, but they're just being cordial and it's so obvious. Who's been there before? Right? Or maybe somebody, they, they want some of your time, but it's, it's maybe not to spend time with you. It's not pure motives. They, 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 there's a different focus that they have, and there's something that's not genuine about their encounter. And so you don't really want to be a part of it, right? But you have to, uh, I guess socially, you feel as though that you have to be a part of that conversation. But when someone is intentional, when someone has a goal or an aim, it's saying that they're coming to you with a the purpose. They're not just wasting your time. Amen. 
And so there, there's prayer, but then there's a time when we have to be more intentional and say, God, I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know, know what to do. And so I'm being intentional. I have a aim. I have a goal. What I'm doing is not in vain. I'm not fasting to be religious. I'm not praying to be religious. And if I say the right combination of words and if I just sacrifice religiously the things, then God is just going to answer my prayer and do whatever I want him to do. Amen? But I have to be intentional, and I have to also understand the effectiveness is this. The effectiveness is me seeking not what I want to know, but in what God wants me to know. A lot of times people, they pray and they fast, and they miss the mark. And it's not because God is not speaking. Their fast was in vain because they were fasting to get what they wanted as opposed to what the Lord wanted them to have. Does that make sense? And so there should be, again, a purpose when you pray and a purpose in when you fast. Um, the second point that I want to bring out is that praying without intention is just a religious individual talking to themselves. Well. Praying without intention, without an aim, without a focus, is just a religious individual talking to themselves. Amen? So if you're not praying to spend time with God, if you're not praying with the focus, if you're not praying to have direction, if you're just praying just because that's what Christians do, you're just talking to yourself. God's not listening. Amen. The Lord responds to a pure heart. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands, repentance, humbling themselves in a pure heart, pure motivations. Not perfect. We don't have to be perfect. But our heart has to be right. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a very imperfect individual, but he had clean hands in that when he messed up, he repented. He humbled himself, and he had a pure heart. His motivations, when he would go to God, there was an aim, there was a focus, there was a goal. Amen? Fasting without intention. Pastor spoke about this. Past, uh, pastor. Fasting without intention is just one starving themselves. Fasting without intention, you're just starving yourself. Amen? Yeah. When you're fasting and the only thing that you can think about is food, and that's it, you're just, you're just starving. Or pastor, as Pastor Machine, it's just a glorified diet. Amen? Fasting should always be coupled with prayer. It's part of the intentionality. So when you're fasting, you're, you're humbling yourself, you're, you're denying yourself of something that your flesh always has, and you're removing that so that you have enough discipline to not only hear from God, but to obey whatever God is sharing with you. Um, I, I don't know if you're anything like me. Um, I, when I was growing up, and, and this is good for the point especially, um, music was a very big deal. And so um, I was in the church, but there's a lot of worldly music that I listened to. Any, any artists that people glorify that are, that are um, originals in the music industry, I, I listen to to Tupac, I listened to Biggie, I listened to Kanye West, I listened to all these worldly artists, and the, that content was in my ear. That content was in my spirit. And so no matter how much I pursued God, everything that God would do to me to purify me, I then began to retaint what he purified. Yeah. Amen? And so when I fast... Sometimes God will say, give this up. And sometimes when I give that up in fasting, in intentional fasting, he tells me to give that up per, uh, permanently, and I never go back to it. And sometimes you're fasting for a season. But you have to humble yourself that the effectiveness to really get something out of your prayer and your fasting is to say, God, when I, whatever I'm giving up, I might never go back to it. 
Again, I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about things that entices your flesh, things that your flesh is dependent on, things that you would rather have in the physical, and so therefore you don't pursue the spiritual too much. Does that make sense? And so we need to understand that. And the last point that I want to hit on is what makes our prayer effective is not just who you're praying to, but it's also your intentional why. Always remember when you pray, when you hit your knees and you pray, make sure that you understand what you're praying about. Amen. Make sure you know a why. You know, the amount of times that I've heard, well, I pray, but I can only pray for two minutes because I never know what to pray about. You're constantly being shared things on a day to day. When you're praying without ceasing, God is always ministering to you. And so pull out your phone, turn on the note section. If you notice that you're struggling with something socially, type that in your phone. If you notice that you got anger and you're quick to, quick to wrath, type that in your phone. God will show you your flesh and give you direction on what to pray for. Amen. And so th this last thing that I want to share, um, I, we were doing the Generation Z Zoom call and um, someone had made this comment that to, to me, it, it kind of summed up this understanding of effectiveness, effectiveness in prayer and being intentional. Um, when you're fasting, and you're trying to figure out, okay, like how long do I fast? What do I give up? What do I give up in my fast if it's a food fast? What do I give up in fast if it's entertainment or social, whatever the case may be? If it doesn't mean anything to you, it probably doesn't mean anything to God. Amen. If you want to know, okay, did I fast enough? If you came out of that fasting, that, that intentional fasting, right? You had your why, but did you exercise enough discipline? Did you do enough to hear from the voice of God? We might say, well, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up one meal a day when you know that you can handle three meals a day. And so when the fast is over, it doesn't feel as though that you spiritually benefited because you, there was no sacrifice there. There was no true humbling there. There was no true discipline there. And so I would encourage everybody when it comes to intentional fasting and wanting to be wanting to receive something from God, wanting whatever that aim and that goal of that fasting, that purpose is, make sure that you're giving up something that actually challenges the flesh. If it does not mean anything to your flesh, if it does not mean anything to your desire, it probably doesn't mean anything to God. Amen? Well, I think the, uh, the summarization of that is be intentional when you pray if you want your fasting and prayer to be effective. Good, good stuff. Good, good stuff. I'm super excited about the next one. We have Sister Faith Norman. Why, why are you giving me that look, Faith? What was I look for? I, I, the, growing up in this, this day and age is tough. It's, it's a hard day and age for our young people. They, they are facing things, um, elders, that you did not face. They are facing things and, and dealing with things that we did not deal with. So um, I, I, we all thought at our um, planning meeting that it would be awesome to hear from one of our young people. So um, Faith, uh, as a young person, are there specific tips and guidelines associated with combining prayer and fasting along with the challenges, if you will, of growing up in such a fast-paced society? Um, I'm going to talk to my favorite people on these first two rows. You guys are welcome to listen to if you want, but we're having a conversation here, guys. Okay? <laughs> um, 
I'll start with addressing the first part of that question, which is the tips and guidelines. Jesus lays it out very clearly in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. The first thing he speaks about is our prayer, our personal prayer time, because yes, we as young people need to have that. I'd even go on to say that we as young people should especially have that. Jesus tells us that we shouldn't babble on and on as the Gentiles do when we're praying. He even gives us a guideline starting in verse 9. I'm not going to read it to you because I want you to go look at it yourself. I've said this before in the point, um, but once you start praying with purpose, the rest will come. Similarly to prayer, Jesus tells us, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. The hypocrites. That means you don't need to come up to your pal in the youth group and say, oh, I fasted a meal every day this week and read 10 chapters in my Bible. That's great. But did you fast a meal you don't really eat anyway while you binge that show that encourages things that you've read in your word that should not be encouraged? So I didn't read Brother Donald's notes, but my number one tip for you is to pray with purpose and fast with purpose. Now, quickly, um, with the part about growing up in a fast-paced society, Jesus was also living in a fast-paced society, obviously not in the same way that we are, but the similarities are definitely still there. Jesus himself prayed and Jesus himself fasted, so who are we not to? Such good stuff. I, I just to hear the voice of our young people, uh, to echo what you're, my Lord, the Holy Ghost right there, wasn't it? She was echoing our youth pastor. So I love that. I love that. I, it's, I'm, I'm confident um, with leaders like Brother Brooks and um, our elder um, youth members like uh, Noelani and Faith and their walks with God that our young people are on the, the right track. Amen? Amen. 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 Sister Glenna. How do individuals maintain focus and discipline in their prayer life while observing a fast? Um, I want to give us some practical tools. A lot of times we listen to these talks and we read books, but how do I apply that in my actual life? Um, some things that have always helped me, uh, and it was through trial and error, is the way to keep focus is preparation. The word preparation is in the Bible 159 times in the Old and New Testament. Uh, the first thing I want to do is to prepare to be successful in my fast. Um, and that's just kind of some nuts and bolts stuff. Um, the first thing I do is I start days before a fast. Um, some of us um, may have... Uh, diabetes, some of us may have erratic blood sugars. So the first thing I start to do is I, I get rid of all processed food. I really start to focus on vegetables and water and protein. And this is just nuts and bolts stuff that you can do. Um, the first thing we want to do is to be successful in that fast. Fasting's not meant to cause us to be guilty or feel like failures. And I've done it many times. You, it's really hard to jump from 
uh, Sunday night eating at the buffet and go into Monday morning and try to fast. We're just kind of setting ourselves up. So really, uh, the first thing we need to do is to prepare. There's a really good book by Joy Haney. It's called When Ye Fast. And once I got a hold of that book I, and I really uh, implemented it in my life, it changed everything. I wanted to kind of tell a uh, piggyback on what Brother Donald said, praying without ceasing. How, how do we do that? The Word of God, that's where the Word of God comes in. Uh, I'm really big on that. Every day, every day, every day. Uh, when you are in the Word of God often, you begin to think in terms of the Word of God. And the Word of God is God. It's, it, it's alive. It's living. It gets in you. So the more you're in the Word, um, the more your day becomes prayer without ceasing your mind begins to stay fixed on him when I'm having a conversation with someone and they're saying something to me scripture will start to come to me and it's because I'm in the word a lot that's and another thing that pastor said about humbling um, I did an extensive uh, Old Testament study almost without fail every time the Bible mentions humble yourself you humble yourself it's choice God does not humble us. I have yet to find, and correct me if I'm wrong, where God humbled. He always asks us to choose to humble ourselves. Um, I also wanted to speak uh, to those who are diabetic and maybe on a lot of medication. Again, fasting is not to put a guilt trip on us, uh, whether we're doing it really good or whether we're not. Um, actually, it's to quiet the voices that distract us from God speaking. Literally, God is always speaking. We're, we're not listening or we can't hear because we've got so much going on in our life and everyone knows that jobs, kids, family, situations, social media, entertainment, all of that. Um, what I do, uh, I reversed type 2 diabetes. What I did, what I would do when I was on medication is I would make a broth. Uh, I would just take chicken broth, boiled vegetables, and I would puree that. And I would just keep that on hand. And if you really do this, you, uh, fasting's a muscle. You know, we have to work it and build it. And it's hard to, if you've never extended fast to, you know, just jump into extended fasting. You want to fast a day. Um, you want to get through that day. Prepare yourself. I do a lot of things to prepare myself. I get rid of a lot of distractions. I make sure there are chores done. I know this is kind of nuts and bolts compared to what they're saying, but it's what we actually need. Like sometimes I would sit and think, how do I actually start? What do I do? So that's, that's a really good way to start. Prepare yourself a week before your fast. Um, if you go this week and you fast, the next week, as Pastor said, Brother Stark will be coming. This week, take the time and sit and make a plan. You know, if you're on medication, prepare that broth, that puree for yourself. Um, and, you know, take it when you have to have your medication. Um, also, uh, coconut water is full of natural electrolytes. Many people get really bad headaches when they're fasting because the whole time we're detoxing. So um, I was going to bring Celtic sea salt. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it has complex magnesiums, and it works like a magnet when you sip water. It literally takes the water into your cells. A lot of times you're dehydrated. That's why you're getting a headache. If anybody out here loves caffeine, God forgive me. I love caffeine. Um, I, I figured out that I was getting headaches um, because I was actually dehydrated because caffeine dehydrates you. So that, that's just some nuts and bolts things. So maintaining focus through preparation. Um, 
it's really hard to focus on your fast and prayer life if you are distracted with physical symptoms um, and you don't feel well. It's really hard to do that. And I wanted to read something. Even the Lord prepares. Uh, Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the Lord himself even prepares. So preparedness is the first. The second thing is uh, discipline. How do we achieve discipline? Uh, we can do this through the flow of our own natural schedules. Uh, depending on what your schedules are, uh, doing what's functional in your own house is key to keeping discipline. Um, a good block of time that works in your household and then sticking to it. With consistency, our families will support us and begin to naturally recognize these schedules. If you have children, uh, my children have moved on, but when they were young, they automatically knew what was happening. Um, you know, they would see me, that happened so often, and I would go into my room and shut the door, and they would just, they would be okay until I got out. So um, your children, they start to pick up on that. Um, if you've ever considered a factory, I, I don't, I think strange, but you know, people go in, there, there's three shifts in factories. There's morning, there's noon, and or there's a, you know, afternoon shift, and then there's a midnight shift. Um, and that's how we are. If you find the block of time that works in your household, some people, it's mornings. There's not anything to do in the mornings. My children are grown, and I, my husband, if he goes out to work, I have all day, I have mornings. Some people have afternoons, and some people can take the evening shift. So you, you know what's going on in your house. Pick that time out. Set that time apart and start to do this consistently, and pretty soon your whole family's in the flow of that. And then I thought, you know, I bet that in, around the entire world, there's shifts of prayer going on. There's 24 hours of prayer going on over the entire world. Think of that. I, and we can be a part of that. If we will consistently pray, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I just, just the thought of that. I, I just see beams of light, voices going up to the Lord. Um, like Pastor said, prayer never goes away. Your prayer is saved up in golden vials in heaven. One of these days... That's going to tip. And you know, I studied that, the word bile. It's not an actual bottle. It's a bowl. It's a big golden bowl. And one of these days, it's just going to tip, and all your prayers are going to pour out. I get excited when I think about that. Um, also, it teaches our, our children, without even saying anything to them, it teaches them by example that this is important to me. And by the grace of God, they will emulate that. And it will become important to them. I know that when I would come out of my prayer time, the whole atmosphere in my house would change. I had, when I got into the church, I had teenagers. And there's just not much you can do. <laughs> but, but the Lord can. So if you've got teenagers, go, go in there and get to praying. I'm telling you, come out, some things will be changed. Um, uh, these disciplines become habit before you know it. Um, this approach has changed my my prayer life. Um, I wanted to tag on to something Faith had said. She's so right. Um, pretty soon, uh, the Lord will just lead you in, in the flow of your own prayer life. You know, um, Brother Mangan in Pentecostals of Alexandria, he does, uh, well, Brother Garrett, or G.A. Mangan, he taught uh, the tabernacle praying plan. And that was so important because, you know, you start out in repentance. 
You go before God in repentance, and pretty soon the Lord, your right faith, will just lead you through prayer. He'll take you to where you need to go, and you'll feel the ushering, and pretty soon you're praying in the vein that you need to be praying in, and pretty soon you're interceding. You're speaking in tongues, and it's with purpose. The Lord has taken over your prayer. That's happened to me, and, and it happens to me naturally now, and this didn't happen overnight. I've been in the church since 1996, so I, I've lived this. I've failed. I've tried again. I've read books. So these are all things that just automatic nuts and bolts things that we can do. Um, and I want to finish with another scripture. Uh, Psalm 55 and 17, I will pray in the morning, the noon, and the night. There's our prayer shifts. Pleading aloud to God, and he will hear and answer. This has been amazing. It's been awesome stuff, awesome stuff. I know in, in my times of prayer and fasting, especially in times of fasting, I do my best that if it's a time that I would normally be eating to replace it with something spiritual at that point, whether it be reading the word of God, having a time of prayer, um, watch, watch a preacher on YouTube or something. Just pour into your spirit and be intentional about that. I think that's been the, the key theme of the night is being intentional, preparing and making yourself ready for the fast. It's been phenomenal. Amen? Well, um, we have one more question. The, uh, as Pastor would say, the greatest panelist up here. Um, that's what Pastor tells us, uh, tells us we have to say anyway. Um, amen. <laughs> I believe it too. I believe it too. Um, so Sister B um, and everybody, I'm just, I'm just going to preface this. Sister B is still getting over her sickness a little bit, and she's uh, kind of quieted voice right now. So just listen real closely while she is speaking. Um, but Sister B has a phenomenal question. Um, I'm really excited to hear this. Um, can the benefits of prayer and fasting extend beyond the spiritual realm to impact mental and physical well-being? Amen. Can everybody hear me? I'm thankful to the Lord that he brought me through a really bad case of the flu this week. And um, I'm here, and he's restoring health to my body. And I knew that <clears throat> we've had this panel planned for some time. And I knew that the Lord had given me a word to speak. And I thought, you know, I could just sit this one out. I don't have much of a voice, but... I've asked the Lord to help me tonight to say what he wants me to say. And I believe he's going to help me. Amen. <clears throat> so um, the question, can prayer and fasting benefit us, not just spiritually, but can it impact us mentally and physically? And if you've been in my ladies class this fall and into this winter, you've heard me talk about how we are, every one of us, our body, soul, and spirit. And all three of those um, parts of us make up our whole self, makes up who we are. And so all three of those are impacted by prayer and fasting. And that's the very powerful thing about fasting is it touches every part of who we are, body, soul, and spirit. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to start off 
Bear with me, this might seem a little strange, but I'm getting somewhere. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 12 says, And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. And if we turn over to Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3, And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. I know we're talking about prayer and fasting, so why is Sister B talking about circumcising babies on the eighth day? These ancient scriptures were adamant about this spiritual practice being completed on the eighth day. Why not the seventh day? Why not the first day that the baby boy is born? This was a spiritual practice that the Lord had instituted to cause a separation of the children of Israel from the rest of the world. And it was important. It was very spiritual, but obviously it affected the physical body. And there were very specific instructions. Today, modern science has revealed to us the answer that God, our creator, the master designer of our bodies, already knew thousands of years ago. You see, science has taught us that on the eighth day after birth, the amount of vitamin K and prothrombin naturally present in a baby boy is elevated above 100% of normal, and it is the only day in the life of a male which this will be the case under normal circumstances. The only day, the eighth day. If surgery is to be performed on the eighth day, vitamin K and prothrombin are at their peak. These two naturally occurring ingredients in our bodies are vital to coagulation, which is blood clotting. Therefore, they stop bleeding and allow for fast healing. I've told you this fun fact because I want us to realize that God knows the intricacies of our bodies. Amen. He knows exactly what we need better than we do ourselves. He yeah. knew thousands of years before science caught up with him. He knew that on the eighth day was the day they should be circumcised. This is just one amazing example of many examples where scripture demonstrates to us how a very important spiritual practice done according to God's plan will reap health benefits for us if we will just do as he instructs us to do. He is the great physician. He designed these bodies. He knows these bodies. And he has instituted the spiritual discipline of fasting for, yes, a spiritual purpose, but also, it yes, absolutely, to answer the question, it does benefit our mental and physical bodies. And I want to show you how. <clears throat> there are three types of fast found in scripture. There's the absolute fast, the normal fast, and the partial fast. I'll quickly explain them. The absolute fast is no food or water. This was only done by Moses when he was in the presence of God 
on Mount Sinai, the Lord supernaturally sustained him. You and I cannot do this for more than three days, and that's not even recommended. A normal fast is going without food of any kind for a certain period of time or a certain number of days. You drink water, and some, as some have alluded to, may choose to take in clear broth and juice in order to maintain strength for a longer, drawn-out fast. A partial fast is giving up particular foods or drinks for an extended period of time. The most common example of a partial fast is found in the book of Daniel. Twice in the book of Daniel, he refused to eat choice meats and sweets, instead choosing a diet of vegetables and water. Today, this is known as the Daniel fast, and many people do this and include it in their regular prayer and fasting. The Bible also talks about three-day fast, seven days, 21 days, and 40 days, with some references to a half of a day fast or a sun-up to a sundown fast. If you aren't accustomed to fasting, start with sun-up to sundown, and you'll be amazed at what you feel just getting started. You have to start somewhere. You can call yourself to a fast, as pastor said. God can impress on you the need to fast. Or the pastor may call the whole church to a fast, and we can all join together. However it comes about, we have to be intentional. And we have to decide. We didn't share notes, did we? We have to be intentional, and we have to decide what the fast looks like for us, what our body needs, what we're capable of doing, how far we can push ourselves and push our flesh into submission, and ultimately, what are we trying to reap and benefit from this fast? Fasting is personal. I can't tell you exactly this is how you have to fast every Tuesday, right? You have to fit it into your family, into your household plan. It has to become personal, but every single one of us can do it. And we're expected to do it because the Bible doesn't say, if ye pray, if ye fast, but it says, when ye pray, when ye fast. All right. So start small. But know that if we're looking to get somewhere deeper in our prayer, and if we're looking for that mental clarity and that spiritual clarity that we've heard about in the panel tonight, if we're looking for health benefit, it's going to come from a little bit more of an extended fast. It doesn't happen in just giving up one meal. But you have to start there. You might feel different in just one day, but you would be amazed at what you can feel in two or three. So let's talk about what happens to our bodies and our minds when we build that fasting muscle and we're able to go on an extended fast. Headaches. Sister Glenna mentioned them. When I begin a new fast, I often get a headache the first day or two. Some people say the devil gave them a headache, but it is actually just your body 
getting rid of toxins that have built up over a period of time. Fasting is like spring cleaning for your body. It is very cleansing. Fasting gives your whole digestive system a break. And medically speaking, that is healthy. If you experience a headache on your first day of a fast, congratulations. It is a sign that you absolutely needed to fast. It's your body telling you, thank you. Thank you for this, this break, for this relief, the spring cleaning. The headache is the result of impurities and poisons that your body is burning. It is very, very important to drink lots of water or organic broth or unsweetened juice during this time. Drink, 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 drink as much as you can when you're fasting because this will only to help to flush your body of those poisons. Purified or spring water is best when we're fasting. I'm not a doctor, so don't take this as, you know, medical advice, but this is just from experience, like Sister Glenna has talked about. Put your kidneys to work. That is your filtration system. And if you will just flush all of that out, you'll find that you're going to start feeling better. So those first days might be difficult. <clears throat> when I've been on an extended fast during the first couple days as my body is ridding itself of toxins, I will tell you I saw no angels. I did not have any visions. I did not hear sweet violins playing in my prayer time. In fact, it is very difficult to focus on prayer in the word. And that tells us that's why we need to do it. That's why we need to keep pushing and keep, keep fasting. Without fail, as soon as I get past that hard part of detoxing, things clear up and I come to that place, that sweet spot, that place of mental and spiritual clarity that I cannot achieve in any other way except by fasting. Listen to this. Tests have proven the average American Pastor talked about the American diet. Consumes four pounds of chemical preservatives, food colorings, stabilizers, artificial flavorings, and other additives each year. Four pounds a year. This does not include the toxins we take in through our skin and our lungs. All of these things build up in our bodies and they cause illness, disease, fatigue, brain fog, forgetfulness. They make us sluggish. Does that sound like a temple of the Lord? Don Colbert, MD, has researched and studied the body's need to regularly get rid of toxins that cause illness, disease, fatigue, and more. I do not have much time left, so I would recommend his book. It is called Toxic Relief, and it is specific medical guidelines and benefits that spiritual fasting brings to our bodies. So with the poisons gone, with us fasting and detoxing and battling through the headaches and that brain fog and all of those sluggish feelings that we feel when we initially fast, when we get through that, we come to the other side. And it is proven that fasting sharpens your mental process. It aids and improves your sight, hearing, taste, touch, and smell, and all your senses. Fasting brings spiritual clarity because we have a newfound 
mental and physical clarity with all the junk removed and our bodies are finally in a resting state. Now we're ready to hear from the Lord. You need some spiritual clarity. We need to get things right mentally, physically, clear some things out fast. As I mentioned at the beginning, everyone is body, soul, and spirit. Fasting is the spiritual discipline that directly touches all three parts of us. Fasting breaks the mental addictions that we have to sugar and junk food and carbs and all the things. Fasting breaks our physical appetites. It brings our flesh. It brings our soul, which if you've been in my class, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Anybody emotional eaters? Fasting breaks all of that and puts it into subjection. Our bodies are so used to consuming whatever they want. So what happens when we tell our body no? We bring our flesh and our soul into submission to our spirit and the spirit of God. And now an incredible thing happens that only happens when we fast. The spirit now becomes the ruler and not the flesh or the soul. Not our mind, will, and emotions. Not our bodies. That can only truly happen when we fast. Some people are bound by nicotine, alcohol, and drugs. Some of us are bound by sweets and coffee or food and eating in general. Fasting can help break addictive tendencies we have. It's a good thing to bring some discipline to our flesh and tell our body no. So in closing, <clears throat> why go the rest of your life feeling sick and weak and tired and sluggish and overweight and run down? Why live your life letting your flesh, your body, your soul, your emotions always have rulership? Because we allow our appetites, our desires, our emotions to rule our lives. We only have one life to give to God. What would happen if his church got control of our bodies and our physical appetites so we could be healthy and strong, so we could find that mental clarity, so we could not feel so sluggish, we would have energy, so we would have spiritual clarity and the authority in the spirit realm. If we take care of the temple of the Holy Ghost, then... We can be the best laborer in the kingdom and be who God has called us to be. God does not need a sluggish church in this hour. He needs us to be on our A game. He needs us strong and healthy and with mental clarity and spiritual clarity. He needs us discerning. He needs us ready to go because this is our hour. Amen? As I stated at the very beginning, God made you. He knows you. He designed fasting for many reasons. And it is, yes, of great spiritual, mental, and physical benefit to us because all of those three make up who we are. Amen. All of us. And fasting touches every part of it. 
So we should make it a regular part of our spiritual disciplines and not just wait on the pastor to call us to a fast. What a phenomenal panel tonight. Um, it's just It's been awesome. Has anybody learned anything tonight? Every, every hand was lifted. That's awesome. So um, just some closing remarks before we leave this place tonight. Um, prayer and fasting is our greatest spiritual weapon. Do you agree? Amen. It is not just our greatest spiritual weapon. It is our greatest privilege. There is nothing more powerful than prayer and fasting. The greatest thing to do, to do about prayer and fasting is not just to learn about it, it's to do it. If you want to be better at prayer, pray more. If you want to be better at fasting, fast more. Set a time, a special time each day to be alone with God. Guard and protect that time and make sure that it is valuable to you. Make God as valuable as these other things that we cut out of our life and watch what God does in your life. Amen? I actually have a book recommendation as well. Um, I know you were talking about Sister Haney's book. Um, Sister uh, Kim Johnson wrote a book called Teach Us to Fast and Pray. Um, another phenomenal book that will help you if you need a little bit more guidance than what we've already heard tonight. Um, you can get that at PentecostalPublishingHouse.com. Um, it would be an amazing tool to add to your library. Amen? Uh, before we go, let's just, we're, I'm going to ask Pastor just to pray for us real quick um, as we go out. Um, amen? Amen. I want to um, just share something real quick um, as a church. Um, where we're going as individuals, and this has just been phenomenal tonight um, to hear this, just the practical aspect of it. Um, and I think a lot of times, um, Sister B just said it, when we uh, pray and fast, not if we pray and fast, when. Um, prayer and fasting is not what we do. It cannot be what, something that we just do, but it has to become who we are. I've said for a long time that we are, we are not a spirit, or we're not a body that has a spirit, but we are a spirit that has a body. Yeah. The spirit lives on, right? And a lot of times our flesh, our body trumps the spirit. And we try, we're trying to live out of order of God's design. And that's why we struggle. And so we have to this cannot be something that we just simply do. It cannot be something I just check off on my, my to-do list for the week. Uh, Why well, I prayed today, check it off, look at me, pat myself on the back. I fasted today, let me check it off, look what I did. Uh, you know, wow me, look what I did. It can, we've gotta to get to that place where, where the spiritual aspects of God's word is who we are, not something we just simply do. And as I was sitting here, I began to think about that. The cross isn't just something that he did. It's who he was. He was the spotless lamb. The whole thing was who he was. And it was all done and designed with purpose and intentionality. Everything, every eye dotted, every T crossed, 
He sent who he needed before him to prepare the way for him. There was preparation. If we're going to be Christian, which means Christ-like, then we've got to get to the place as individuals. This is not something, church is not something we do. Living for God is not something we just do. We've got to get to that place where this is who we are. If we are the church, we've got to be that separate people. We've got to be separate from the world. We have to understand who we are and own who we are. If I'm his, then I'm his. That means I'm 100% his. Then that means that's who I am. Not because pastor called a fast, or not because pastor said to be at church, not because that, but it's because I want to be in his presence. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the body. Why? Because this is simply who I am. He went to the cross because he was the spotless lamb. Nobody else could be that. That's who he was. And he didn't go out of... He didn't go because it was something that it was his duty to do that. No, he went because he understood who he was. We need to understand who we are. And when we understand who we are, no one's going to have to ask you to fast. No one's going to have to ask you to pray. No one's going to have to ask you to read his word. No one's going to have to ask you to be at church. No one's going to have to ask you anything. It's you're going to do it because this is who you are and you have fallen in love with the one who has allowed you to be this. That's where we have to get to. We got to get to that place. Amen. So I challenge you this year, let's do it. I challenge you as your family, go home, your household. Take these simple steps, the practical steps to just get started. Just get started. That's all you got to do. Start it and see what happens. You'll begin to grow. And by the end of this year, we will be a strong, healthy church that is making a huge impact in this community and this region and God will use us like we have never, I say this, I say this in the Holy Ghost, God is going to use us if we will do this like we have never seen before in the history of this church. God is going to do things to this church because this is the hour that God needs a healthy, strong, focused church so he can work through us. This has to be who we are. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Thank you for speaking to us. God, through everyone on this panel, God, thank you for the wisdom, God, that they have brought, Lord, godly wisdom, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for the anointed words, Lord, God, that they have submitted themselves to hear from you, God. I thank you. Let us tonight, as every individual in this room, God, to take this word in, God, to soak it in, God, but not just to hear it, God, but to actually apply it to our life, Lord. God, as we step forward, God, into this week, God, of fasting, Lord, it might be for some their first time ever trying, God, but I pray, God, God, that they step out, God, to trying, Lord, because this is who they long to be, Lord. They want to get closer to you, God. Let us as a church desire, Lord, that for ourselves, not just as individuals, God, but as a church, God, as a body, Lord. God, that we want to be closer to you, God. We want to grow closer to you, God. God, we want to hear you like never before, Jesus. We want to be used by you like never before, God. And I pray, God, that you would prepare us this week, God, as we take that first initial step, God, with purpose, Lord, uh, God, into what it is that you have for us as a church. uh, And we thank you for tonight. Everything you're going to do, God, uh, we are yours. Use us however you please. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.